Hello, everybody. Thank you for tuning into my podcast, Keeping It Real with Camel, as we say 100. I hope everybody is having a wonderful time tonight. And um, I have a very special guest, and I'm super excited to talk to her. She's going to tell us a little bit about herself, and we're just going to get all into the details. Um, Everybody, welcome Francesca Marie. Hi. Happy to be here. Yes. How are you? How are you? How is the weather where you are right now? Well, it's pretty fabulous. I'm a few feet um, from the Pacific Ocean in California, central California. And the weather is spectacular. A little bit of rain this week, but nothing too bad. Um, Nothing like poor folks on the East Coast. Um, About 50 degrees or so. Oh, wow. Can I come over there with you? Yes, ma'am. Anytime. <laughs> Anytime. Come on over. <laughs> oh, my God. This is great. So you are an author, and you write, like, dark fiction. So tell me why you decided to write that, like, the dark fiction part of it. Sure, yeah. Thanks for the question. Um, I grew up, believe it or not, I grew up in a haunted house. Like a legit, scary, poltergeist, stuff flying around, lights turning on and off, dancing footsteps, haunted house. And so at an early age, I had all of this, you know, unprocessed fear. I didn't know what was going on. I didn't understand what was going on. We didn't talk about it in my household. Nope, my parents didn't believe us kids that there was something weird going on in the house. And so as soon as I learned how to write at the age of six, I started writing about scary stories mm-hmm. as a way of just kind of processing these fears of, you know, my day-to-day terrors. Um, the first story I wrote was uh, this group of kids that, you know, stumble onto a haunted house at the end of a cul-de-sac. And, you know, for six years old, it wasn't bad. I think it was like 12 pages long and it had twists and turns. <laughs> yeah, wow. um, yeah, but it was it was fun. So for me... Writing the dark stuff has always been an outlet for me to process a lot of my fears. Oh, my God. I don't know how. Oh my, you said a haunted house. You grew up in a haunted house. There's no way I could have done that. I'm too scary for stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. You, you know, I didn't have a choice and, and didn't know any different. You know, I thought it wasn't until I left. I was there from 0 to 14. Mm-hmm. And when I moved, finally moved into my parents, you know, got another house, they moved. I didn't realize what it was like to have a normal home that was quiet, that didn't have this, like, creepy lurker energy around all the time. I Like, for, for the first time, I felt alone in the house, in the, you know, at the age of 14, in a new house. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And so you are author, creator of um, a a book, right? Um, the Black Cat Chronicles. Can you tell me about that? Yeah, sure. So Black Cat Chronicles, it's a comic book series. So I work with an artist named Nate Olson, and they are true tales of horror narrated by a mythical black cat. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've got three issues out. The first issue was on Greyfire Cemetery in Scotland, which is a, you know, horribly wicked and gothic scary story that's all it's all true everything in there happens um the second one is about a town that goes missing in alaska kind of overnight and what was lurking in the woods that forced them out and the third issue is about some really weird sci-fi stuff that happened during world war ii in antarctica 
you know, the Nazis had a secret mission there, um, the UK did, the US did, and there's a lot of weird speculation about what they found and what they're still researching down in the depths of Antarctica. Oh, wow. Is it true about black cats? What do you mean? Like, awesome? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know how they say, I guess it's a superstitions kind of thing, you know, yeah. when a black cat cross your path, it's bad luck, or, or, you know, if a black cat, you know, you're around black cat, you get bad luck all the time. You know, I don't think so. It's a cultural thing in, in some parts of the world, but for me personally, I've owned, you know, four black cats in my life, and it brought me nothing but fantastic, great luck. So I wonder what made that myth. Maybe because of, um, I don't know, like, witches have black cats, I guess, and they feel like black cats was evil, you know? I don't know. I don't know what came up with that myth, but it's crazy. It could be, yeah, like the witch is familiar. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, you know, oh, the scary cats. Because then I'll be like, because I've seen some cute black cats, right? Uh-huh. And then I was like, I really want to pet this cat. <laughs> I guess the myth got me, the superstitions got me. I'm like, I'm not, I'm not getting a black cat, you know? But, you know, I don't know, to each his own, I guess, right? Black cats are wonderful. Do not be afraid of adopting them, of petting them. They're smart, they're cuddly, they're super intelligent. Like, I love black cats. That's awesome. And um, so you write short stories as well. So you have a collection. So tell us about the collection that you have. Sure, yeah. It's my COVID baby is what I'm calling it. Mm -hmm. Um, The title is Day High, Short Stories to Tell in the Dark. And there's 13 distinct stories in there, each focusing on a specific horror monster and or horror trope. So there's like a witch story in there, there's a werewolf story in there, there's a zombie story in there, and a bunch of stuff in between. Um, So I've always been a huge fan of themed uh, anthologies that focus on a specific horror trope. And so I was reading those as a reader, I always thought, well, if I had a chance to write a witch story, what would that look like? Or if I could write a werewolf story, what would my werewolf look like? And so I kind of challenged myself to write one whole book filled with each of the classic horror monsters and just kind of try to take my take on it on, you know, what do I think about werewolves and what do werewolves mean to me? And can I create something that I haven't seen or read before, something that's unique? And so I did that with 13 different tales in my collection. Oh, wow. So what makes you feel good when you write? Like, what sparks you every time you write? That's a great question. I love when I'm surprised. So I'm one of those type of writers that does not, I don't plot, I don't outline. I just start writing with an idea and then just see where it goes. So I love those little gem moments where you think maybe the story is going one way and then, oh, no, the characters and plots decide to take it in a different direction. And so I I love being surprised um, and have the story kind of, you know, take me along. I just have to kind of catch up and take some notes about (laughs) where the story (laughs) wants to go on its own. (laughs) So do you believe, like, when you write um, that the cover will gravitate a lot of people because you have to have a good cover? I, I do, and that's both for, you know, my collection as well as comic books, especially with comic books because it's such a visual medium. You really do need to have a cover that grabs the reader. It's, you know, everything's digital now too, right? So not right. just something that looks good on a, 
a bookshelf, but something that looks good when you put it online and there's, you know, different website backgrounds and things. And so it's got to be catching. It's got to, you know, draw the eye. It's got to evoke an emotion and it's got to kind of pull a reader in in a very short amount of time. And that's true because um, they say you don't judge a book by its cover, but we know that that um, a cover will make someone draw someone in, you know. And if they if the cover is not what they like, I don't want to read that book until they open up the book and read what's going on. You know what I mean? Totally agree. Yeah, and and unfortunately, you know, um, there's some books that people get turned off by because it doesn't look professional, or when they blow it up, it's it's pixelated, or the font's hard to read, or mm-hmm. for different reasons. And so, gotta be really, you know, spend a lot of time on getting that right cover. You're right. You're right. So, what advice will you give someone if they just started out writing and they they give up on it because they're they're a good writer, but because you know how people, they criticize people um, in their writing. Some people like your writing, some people don't, you know? And so what advice would you give someone who's just beginning to write but feels like they're not good enough? Yeah, so it, it happens to all of us, and it still happens, you know, whether we're published or not. Um, we all go through that kind of imposter syndrome, or we go through that we're not good enough, what are we doing? You know, I was just listening to um, an interview with Stephen Graham Jones earlier today, who's a multi, you know, award winner, author, uh, and horror, and he said even today that he questions himself, and he has to keep that, that little demon quiet inside that says this isn't good enough. Um, so we all, we all go through that. So my, my advice is just keep going. It's keep going because it's in you and you have to express it. You know, us writers, it's it's something in our blood. It's like breathing. Like you can't not write. It's um, you might need to take a break for a while or shift genres or shift projects, but it's kind of in our DNA. And so the more you do it, the better you will get. Write for yourself. You know, don't worry about the readers. The readers will find you. Um, and write from a place of truth and honesty. So even though I write in the horror, fant- fantastical, imaginary world, mm-hmm. I always try to root it in some human emotion that's grounded. So fear is a big one for me. I write a lot about fear. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a, you know, given my upbringing in the haunted house, you know, I'm processing my fears. And, I, and when I put that on the page, it's kind of healing for me to kind of exercise that out of my being. And I hope other readers will kind of gravitate towards that too. So primarily write for yourself, right? You know, why, you know, ask yourself why you're writing. Um, if you're writing because you want to be the next Stephen King, you know, <laughs> right. I, I wish you the best. Uh, uh, but but for most of us, we write because we have to for a lot of various reasons. And again, for me personally, it's it's cathartic to write. Right. So, have you ever thought about turning one of your books into a movie? I mean, who doesn't? <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, these these days, you know, Netflix and Hulu and Amazon Prime. I'm like, yeah, if anyone's listening, I'm open to this discussion. <laughs> I mean, I think like I think a lot of people get like horror and and movies like you write like the dark, you know, movies and stuff that you, the things that you write. A lot of people generate 
to that. They're not more into like the romance. They, you know, so we have some people like romance, but a lot of people like suspense and fear and um, horror and all that good stuff. You know what I mean? I do, and you know, I think we're we're in a bit of a golden age for horror and dark fantasy type stuff. And yeah, I, I think it's tied to COVID. I think we've had some rough couple of years, and so you know, I think we all can kind of gravitate towards the dark because that's where we've been living for a right. while. Right, and it's kind of like I said, it's kind of cathartic to kind of share in that horror experience of like, okay, here's something fearful. Um, we got through it, and we're up on the other side of it now. Yeah, and that's true. So what else do you have going on besides, you know, writing books and stuff like that? So I am a psychic medium Mm -hmm. and a healing facilitator, which means I do Reiki and all kinds of things, and I'm a psychic detective. Oh, my God. Really? So what made you get into in, in that category? Like what in your career, what made you decide to do that? Um, so I lost my mom to cancer, um, almost 20 years ago and losing someone close to you in a, such a devastating way just rocks you to your core and makes you question everything. Mm -hmm. Right. And at the time I was in high tech, I was doing all kinds of, um, market research, data analytics stuff for high tech companies in Silicon Valley, burning the candle on both ends, like not being very healthy with myself, not being having any work-life kind of balance. And so that on top of, you know, losing my mom caused me to reevaluate my life. Um, What matter if I die tomorrow? What kind of mark did I want to leave on the world? And I didn't want to, you know, leave my mark of like making my advertisers a few more extra dollars. That's not not the legacy I wanted to leave. Um, And so I took my mom's um, death and tried to turn that into something that had meaning. And so I studied Reiki and started learning how to do, you know, holistic healing. And Mm -hmm. that grew into opening up my psychic abilities and being a psychic medium, helping people through their grief and loss. Um, of a loved one, and then that also kind of graduated into and evolved into being a psychic detective where people come to me with missing family members, you know, where's Uncle Bob, or my daughter went missing this weekend, we can't find her, and so I work with a team of folks each week on cases to help locate uh, missing people. Oh, my God, and that is grateful because the thing about it is that you're helping someone that needs it and someone that they love. Right. You know. Right. And yeah. that is ooh, that is great. Yeah, I'm trying. And, and you know, it's it's weird. There's I work in the light and I work in the dark. You know, my fiction stuff is very dark, but right. I spend a lot of my day in the light helping people and you know, having a mixture of both is I think is so important. Mm-hmm. And Having the you know my mind go to those dark places when I write my fiction really helps me with my psychic detective work because when I'm tuning into where somebody might be or what happened you know, if there's a mysterious death or something my mind is open to all kinds of heinous possibilities given mm-hmm. my horror writing and so I can I can it's almost like I'm at, my world is bigger. Um, because of that, and so I can see things that might, you know, some people might do to another. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's not unrealistic to me. Right, because that's your world. That's right. You know, when you're in your world, it's normal. 
Correct. And why other yeah. people feel like, oh, something's going on. Have you ever had anyone that look at you and be like, and they'd be like, something is wrong with you? With me personally? Yeah. Oh, so what do you do? So, so what do you do when people feel that way, or, or people they try to move away from you because they're scared, or they they like something is going on with her. She's, you know. So what do you yeah. do about that? Like, how do you feel? Yeah. Like, what do you do? You know, I've got members of my family that are like, who are you, you crazy alien? You're not part of the family. Um, and so I keep it light. You know, for people I need to have a relationship with, like family members, I keep it kind of superficial, I hate to say. You know, mm-hmm. we talk about the weather. We talk about football. Or we talk about, you know, right. something else that's like space. And I, I don't necessarily share this part of my life with them. Um, but there's times where I've met, you know, I've gone to book festivals and met strangers coming up to our booth. Uh, I, I'm a member of the Horror Writers Association. Mm-hmm. And I've had, you know, members of the public come up and say, like, why do you write horror? Like, what's what's wrong with you? And they look like I <laughs> sprouted, you know, horns on the top of my head, and there's going to be, like, a tail that, you know, I'm dangling behind. Anyway, so <laughs> I shared the same story I shared with you, which is, you know, it's a way for me to release and to work out my fears. And, and there's a legitimate reason for it, and I think it's a very healthy outlet that's your world you know and you you love your world so it doesn't matter what other people say you know long as you love your world and you love what you're doing you're helping and and you're doing what you what you have to do that's right yeah and ultimately ultimately at the end of the day i want to again leave this planet you know leave my body and realize that i i've left it a better place than i found it that's what i'm talking about go ahead girl okay (laughs) i'm giving you a high five if you don't see it